Hello, and welcome to Generational Archives, the show where we connect, heal, uncover through intergenerational conversations and archival research. I'm Dr. Reina Leon. I have longed to be connected with you all again. It's been a while from our season break, and I'm with Dr. Norma D. Thomas. How do you want to introduce yourself today, Mommy? Well, as she just said, I'm Raina's mother, <laughs> and I am the co-creator of Generational Archives, and we are so excited to be coming back for this second season. So that's it. That's what this episode is about, giving you a map for what's to come, and I'm super excited for that. Some lessons that we learned or experiences that we had from season one. Mommy, do you have anything that you're like, oh, this was a highlight from season one? Well, I think the biggest highlight is when you start talking about the ancestors, they talk back because <laughs> we have been able to get lots of information that we either thought were lost. The biggest highlight is the discovery of that tape with my mother's voice singing because she was a great singer. We thought the tape was lost. And then it appears when we are talking about my mother with a podcast, we were able to add that to um, to that uh, podcast. And, and that actually happened with the interview. It wasn't lost, but we were able to add the interview that you did with your That's grandmother right. to That's the right. podcast with her. We added the video because we have, through all of this, learned how to transfer old material like CDs over to the MP, what is it, MP4. MP4. Mm -hmm. And so we're not only able to share it with all of you, but we can share it with family. So we had uh, Mommy Juanita's voice, my mother-in-law. So, so we have made so many discoveries that, that would, would not have been possible had we not decided to do generational archives. And we've had the great experience of friends and family and new listeners who have just discovered generational archives listening to the podcast and sharing later, oh, listening to that opened up so much for me in thinking about my own family history and my own work to connect the dots and share photographs and share documents. Oh, I was the only person who had this thing and now I've shared it with all of these other um, folks within my community and they've experienced such wonder and appreciation for that. So we're very grateful too to those who've listened and learned from the lessons and incorporated them into their lives. So preparing for the future, we're really, really excited. But before we get into talking about what's coming, we have a check-in question, and the check-in question is this. Mommy, do you feel like you curse a lot? And the reason for that check-in question was, one, I always say that my children curse a lot, <laughs> and I always say that I paid a lot for your education, and you all use all these explicit words, and they say, but yeah, you understand what we're saying. Yes. And it's like, yes, I do. So we just were at a celebration of life for one of my first cousins down in Columbia, South Carolina. And I don't know which sister was talking to the other sister. That I can't remember. So it was either Carla talking to Faith or Faith talking to Carla, who, who turned to one to the other and said, doesn't Norma curse a lot? And I was like, 
Nobody would ever say that about me, that I curse a lot. I say that about my children. And I said, well, maybe this is where they get it from. Maybe it comes naturally. I don't know. Because in the world, I think nobody would say that about me. But apparently, when I'm talking to my siblings, I use very colorful language. Which is hilarious because I definitely curse a lot. And so much so that there have been times when I have these moments of, oh, I hope my children are not listening to me because we will be those parents where the teacher is like, so your child uses wonderfully colorful language today and I'd prefer that they not use it again. (laughs) And and we have had those instances where at least once with my son, I remember him using so perfectly and with just the right enunciation and emphasis of true exhaustion and frustration, the F word. It was like, just as, and like the ha was like him also saying this expletive. And he must have been maybe two and a half, three at the time. And I was so impressed with his intelligence that he was able to use this word with just perfect, perfect usage in that moment and so i told i didn't comment on it i didn't laugh or anything like that but i did talk to my husband afterwards and i was like is it weird that as a parent i'm very proud of this moment (laughs) but mommy i had also asked you as we were talking about this question um can you remember our ancestors grandma grandpa picky granny like our ancestors that you knew what about them did they curse a lot Well, my parents did not, so that was clear. My dad may have because, I mean, he would get mad. Often it was around work because he was a perfectionist in terms of the auto body work he did, and sometimes he would get mad at people who worked for him. But he mumbled, so I don't know whether he was cursing or not when he was wailing his hands and none of (laughs) us knew what he was saying. But I just don't remember either of them ever using um, curse words, definitely not my mother. And my grandparents were very colorful, my dad's parents, but I'm not sure I would say that they cussed a lot. They they were expressive. So my grandfather would say, you know, what the Sam Hill, what the Sam, and I don't know who Sam Hill was. I don't know what that, you know, any that reference, but so they would use a lot of language and a lot of words, but I'm not sure I would say that they either them cussed a lot. So, and I know my grandmother, my mother's mother didn't. So we're just a product of our um, time, next generation and time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of those things that's not recorded in the records, right? The archives will give you so much, but to learn these kind of small details of cursing or language or how people talked and the phrases that they used, that's something that comes from interviewing and listening really deeply. So I hope that in listening to this podcast, you are also thinking about, well, what do I know about my ancestors in the language they use, the phrases they use, right? We've talked about the really colorful phrases of um, our, our Aunt Clyda, for example, who it wasn't, you know, what the Sam Hill, but she would say things like, you look like death eating crackers. Oh, like, yeah, she, she definitely had some phrases and we were like what (laughs) i don't know what what does that mean (laughs) yes yes it made its way to a poem of mine death eating crackers um and the the imagination of that grittiness and the remnants of that um spiritual being so what does that look like what does that feel like why that phrase there's so much that can result from that 
So the future. Our next episode is going to be part two of an interview that I did with my father, which closed out season one. And that's going to talk about my grandfather, Daddy Ning, who was a merchant marine six months of the year. He was traveling the seas and six months on land and talking a little bit about his history, what we learned from the records, but also from an interview with my um, one of my aunts and surprising things like I had no idea he was had trained as a violinist or had learned the violin in Puerto Rico and had been criticized for that. And I knew that he had been a boxer, but I didn't know that he was like an amateur level kind of boxer. So there was a lot of other discoveries that we learned about Daddy Ning, who was vivacious and funny and very well loved a in the storyteller. Definitely was a storyteller, funny guy. He definitely was funny and a storyteller. And I think for me, I hearing the stories of Daddy Ning, I knew him only as an infant, influenced my desire for traveling the world. Definitely influenced that. Um, and thinking about him as someone who traveled very widely because of his work, um, what was open to me in thinking about the world. So our next episode will be on Daddy Ning. And then after that, we're gonna do some short sessions on when you're looking at a birth record, what are you looking at? When you're looking at a baptismal record, what might you discover? Death records, why you should look at deeds and how you find a deed. Yearbooks, folks kind of bypass the importance of yearbooks, but if you can get access to a physical one that your ancestor or your beloved actually interacted with, then that has a lot of information, but also high schools that still exist, they may have copies of yearbooks that you can access, and we'll talk about those. Yeah, my cousin who, who um, recently transitioned, I found his picture in the yearbook. Mm -hmm. So that popped up yeah. uh, just by, I don't know why it popped up, but I was on Ancestry and there was his picture. My mom is a manifester. So like when she says something and she's looking for something, all of a sudden it that thing up. happens. So um, Sen I'm not surprised. Census records are the other ones because right. for, for years I did not really look much at census records and then we found that one census record right. where my mother had turned up being in dc yes. i never thought she with a different last name i never thought she lived with her biological mother i never right. thought she lived with them and apparently at least during one of the census taking time she lived in dc mm -hmm. with my grandmother so yeah. um that was a new find that we never knew about before yep and we'll be talking about genograms. Can you tell people what genograms are? Well, Raina just brought up the idea, maybe we can tell people about genograms. So one time maybe we'll do our own genogram for, for part of the family. But genograms are great tools for individuals to find, not only look at their own family history and talk to people so that they can get these dates and, and names and put them down on paper, but it also, you could do genograms that talk about health history and or mental health history or substance abuse history or relationship breaks that maybe look at generationally different um, divorce rates and those kinds of things in a, in a family. It could be used to look at uh, the trauma experience, but it could also look at resilience because right. if you look at one side, you have to look at the other side. People survive. so. 
So looking at that history also gives you an idea of who you are and what may be impacting you that's carrying over from the past and how you can break the cycle because you can break the cycle. There's nothing that says that any of this has to continue, but you can only start to break a cycle if you know what the cycle is. Right. And if you can see that this is happening over and over again, you can now do something about it. And another side to that for a genogram, if you're really interested in thinking about, oh, I'm an artist, but where did this mm -hmm. capacity come from? Oh, my, my one parent is, but perhaps there are other people within the family that you may not have recognized, an aunt, an uncle, who are also artists. And this generational inheritance of dedication to a creative practice is generational. And so genograms can reveal another part of yourself that you're like, well, where did this come from when, when my parents perhaps are not like me, but there are other people that you can learn more about that have similar traits, right? Well, for, for example, my mother was, a, was a, um, an amazing singer. Mm -hmm. She sang gospel, but she was amazing. Two of my sisters are very good singers too, the two youngest. But my sister, who's now deceased, also sang. And one of my sisters said, for some reason, I don't remember her singing. And I mm -hmm. said, she had an incredible singing voice. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, we're assuming that nobody's ever recorded it. Yeah. But now that I just said it, somebody has a recording. Somebody has a recording. Of my sister singing at Mount Rose Baptist Church. And one of her favorite songs to sing was... Um, uh, fill my cup, let it overflow. So if anybody has a recording of that youth choir at the Mount Rose Baptist <laughs> Church, please share it because that would have been my sister on that recording singing. My Aunt Stacy. So uh, <laughs> let's speak it into the reality and it will come. So genograms um, and family histories, we're also going to start um, having guests. So mm -hmm. one of our first guests is going to be the facilitator behind um, Earthseed, which is a project that both of us participated in. Mm -hmm. And Deshauna Wally is going to be our guest. And she shared with us some of the questions that she's really interested in exploring. And those questions are, can the work of ancestral research be a tool for transgenerational healing? What does it take? How do we know when it's happening? And we absolutely believe that it can be a, a, a tool for transgenerational healing. And we can talk about that together. So we'll be scheduling that and including that interview. And we look to have more interviews included within the podcast, including with a family member and an aunt in New York, to talk about the grandfather that you never knew, mm -mm. Um, talking hopefully with uh, a deacon in South Carolina to learn more about my great-great-grandparents who he happened to know as a child and who uh, they helped to establish very well um, the Lockhart Baptist Church. And, and it had already been established before they came along, but they were great stewards of it, so much so that their, their names are recorded in the stained glass of the church. So learning more about them is definitely a, a great intention of ours. And talking with a cousin in Harrisburg, um, as well as family in South Carolina about history from the Satterwhite side, my um, great-grandfather's side, that we don't really know about. 
the other thing that you wanted to mention was about Uncle Stanley, what he said in this last trip to South Carolina. Well, again, we recently had a first cousin who died, and, and my brother said many, many times during the few days we were down there, I am so tired of only going um, to see family at these kind of events. I'm all, I, and he said it over and over, I'm so tired of meeting people, actually is what his words were at funerals. And so it prompted the possibility of just throwing something together that's not a whole lot of effort and just saying, come to this place in the park in Columbia so that we can get together for mm -hmm. those, find as many people as we can to start something where we share more about the joyous occasions. Because yes. I know he said the last time I came down here was when one of my cousins died or my aunt, one of them. Yeah. So that we need something other than going to a service. And, and all I kept saying is, well, I'm so glad that Rain and I were able to come down here yeah. twice to see my cousin yeah. before he transitioned. So it's important to get together with family. We always say we're going to do it, we're going to do it, and then we don't do it. We right. all get so busy, and let's not get so busy that we don't see people that we care about because tomorrow they could be gone and you don't want to have regrets. Yeah, and our world is increasingly riotous. And so I think that that invitation to note how we can build relationship in times of joy so that we are sustained and connected through times of struggle is, is a good invitation to answer and say yes. Um, so this call to also do something with family and gather folks together is not just our call. We are sharing it to you because it's meant for you to hear in this moment. Not everyone is going to listen to this podcast, but you did. <laughs> you did. And so I think that the call for us of gathering people together and making the time to share archives and photographs and make sure that things don't just have live with one person is a call for you too. So I think that's going to be our podcast today, really short to the point, lots of excitement for the future. Another thing that I should tell you is that we're going to be doing more TikTok lives. My 70 year old mom and I are going to be on, the, are, are not going to be, we have been on yes. the Tiki Talk. <laughs> and so we will continue to be on the Tiki Talk. That's kind of fun. See? <laughs> and she didn't believe me at first, y'all. She no, didn't believe I didn't, me. I didn't. Why and, are you putting me on TikTok? And then I'll say to her, oh, and 600 and some people watched today. They didn't watch for long, but they did watch. She'd be like, what? <laughs> So we'll be on the Tiki Talk. We're also on Instagram on my account. I always link the Story Joy Inc. Uh, account as well on Instagram. And on uh, TikTok, we're at Reina J. Leon, so my um, name. And if you want to support the work that we are doing, but also the invitation, because archiving, documenting, traveling, interviewing, getting the equipment to do all this stuff, it gets a little pricey. We need a little help. The Patreon is there. And for those who um, do uh, support at a particular level, you will even get a mug. That's pretty exciting. We have merch. <laughs> 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 We're getting to that point in our, in our work together. 
And we are also dreaming into a permanent space for the museum, um, the uh, traveling museum for Fayette County, Black Fayette County that my mom created. And so as that comes to be, and I'm speaking that into existence, then we'll also be sharing that in the podcast too. So perhaps if you're thinking about institution building, then our lessons can be your lessons. And so please also like and subscribe. Yeah. So you'll see these on YouTube, but you'll also see them on wherever you get your podcast. So we would appreciate you liking and subscribing because we want to build up our, our viewership. Yep, absolutely. So thank you all for continuing to listen. And if you like it, then share it. If you like it, subscribe. If you like it, put that like on it. And thank you again and have a wonderful, wonderful day, whatever time of day this, this meets you. And may your ancestors answer always in the affirmative and always in their highest selves for your highest purpose.